0: Today's scripture reading is Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 to 29, and it can be found on page number 1084 in your Pew Bibles. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is, the church. I have become its servant according to God's administration that was given to me for you to make God's message fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. This is the word of the Lord. Again, I want to wish you a a happy new year, and what a joy it is to gather here this morning on this first Sunday of this new year, this first Sunday of this next uh, decade, and as I said last week, you know, there's always this sense of a new year, of of us standing on tiptoe, kind of pairing into the to the unknown of this coming year and we, we wonder what this new year will hold. We, we wonder the things that will happen in our lives. And, and, and as we enter a new year bringing, bringing some of the things with us from the past, we wonder how these things will be resolved and how unresolved issues will work themselves out. And so it's this very very unique time of, of, of reflection. It's been said that an optimist, ...stays up until midnight on New Year's Eve... ...to see the new year in... ...and a pessimist stays up to make sure the old year leaves... And I'm not sure which category you're in. I, we were talking before, and some people talked about how they were in bed early and didn't see, you know, the, the ball drop, or see Rick Mercer out in Newfoundland on the CBC. Did anyone see that? I mean, that was worth staying up for. Uh, and so uh, what, what a joy to be here to celebrate. You know, um, there is uh, this, this great Christmas carol that we sang in December, a little town of Bethlehem, and there's a, there's a line in that carol that, that I really, really love, and it says, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And I was thinking about that this week, you know, hopes and fears. That may very well describe many of us in this room in these early days of of 2020. Maybe there, there are a lot of hopes here in this place today. You, you're, you're hoping for things to turn out in a particular way. You're, you're hoping for some good things this year. You're hoping maybe that uh, something's going to be resolved in a particular way. And so there's a lot of, a lot of hopes, I would think, in, in, this, in this room this morning. But then mingled with that, no doubt there are fears. You know, there's also fears about this coming year and maybe some apprehension about some particular things that are going on right now in your own heart and life. And so hopes and fears, and we can apply that individually but also corporately as we work through this coming year. And I had, I had originally planned on resuming our Philippians series today, but um, as I was... Just preparing this week, I I thought I might go just in a different direction for this morning. Um, C.S. Lewis once said that people need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. And so on this first Sunday of, of 2020, this first Sunday of this new year, I want to draw us into a passage that... I think, calls us into a posture of, of remembering. And so I invite you to turn with me to what is often referred to as the saddest book in the Bible. What a great way to start off the new year, right? We're going to turn to the saddest book in the Bible, uh, the, the, the book of Lamentations. Lamentations to, to, to express this passionate expression of grief and sorrow. And in this, uh, in this book, we're drawn into the poetry of lament. It's, it's, it's a, a short five-chapter book, a book of sorrows, if you will, a book of laments, a collection of five uh, psalm-like prayers. And this, this really is the poetry of pain, It's the poetry of grief. And and before we read our scripture passage, I I want us to have a little appreciation for the context of this short book. As I said, it's a book of, of deep anguish. And the context of this book of anguish is one of the darkest times in Jewish history. Lamentations is rooted in a crisis that cut right to the heart of Israel's covenant relationship with God. In other words, the people have experienced something that has so profoundly shaken them that they now question whether they really are a people of God. And so the book is set in the context of mourning the loss of a nation, mourning the loss of a homeland, a people's identity, and the terrible suffering associated with the devastating destruction of the great city of God, the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And so this is a book of of deep anguish that's arising out of the siege and destruction of Jerusalem and the burning of the temple by the Babylonian army. This was a siege that lasted for around two years as tens of thousands huddled in Jerusalem hoping that God would somehow intervene. But instead... You know, the Babylonian troops finally breached its walls in a horrifying way. And, and so all of these terrible realities are pictured in, in lamentations. Uh, poems about famine and thirst and murder and, and rape. And it's people wonder if death would have been better. And along with, with the terrible physical suffering of this rather um, dark time... There was also the crushing question of of the people's identity, of, of Israel's divine calling as the people of God, the people through whom God chose to display his glory to the nations. And it's been said that here were a people whose history was singularly bound up with God. I mean, consider what God had done for this group of people. He redeemed them from slavery in Egypt. And he created a na- He created uh, them a people for his name. God made a covenant with them and would eventually fulfill the promise that Abraham's offspring would inherit the land. And, and 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 they were they were God's people. They were special. They were chosen. They were they were distinct. I appreciate commentator Gordon Fee writes and says that at the heart of their self-understanding was the fact that their God, who was God alone, the living God, the creator of all that is, had chosen to dwell personally in their midst. First, in the tabernacle in the desert, and finally in the place he chose as a dwelling for his name, Jerusalem itself. They were God's people living in God's land, given to them by God's outstretched arm. And so they were a people whose identity was attached to this land and to this, to this city. Uh, many of you will know that, that I'm, I'm from the East Coast. I'm from Newfoundland and Labrador. And you, you remember the deal we made on my first Sunday? You don't use the term Newfie, and I won't make fun of your mountain. Right, you, you remember that, and, and and so that that's that's worked out that's worked out uh, quite well. But I'm from Newfoundland, and uh, and uh, th- there was a report just a few couple of years ago on, on the CBC that said that acor- according to this report, more people in Newfoundland and Labrador feel a strong sense of belonging to their province than anywhere else in Canada. And so there's this sense of many Newfoundlanders that they are they're kind of a Newfoundlander first before they're a Canadian, and that 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 that's quite a common sentiment. And I thought about that as I was thinking about the, you know this particular situation here, and as how this particular people have this sense of identity to their to their homeland to to, to this great city. And so both the land and especially the city of Jerusalem held significance for Israel in terms of identity unlike most other peoples in history. And so we come to our our scripture passage which also happens to be the central passage of the book of Lamentations. This is a book of horrible destruction and loss of life and starvation. But right in the middle, We have some of the most treasured words God has ever given about himself. And so we're turning to Lamentations chapter 3 and we're reading verses 19 to 24. Lamentations chapter 3 verses 19 to 24. Right here almost in the middle of this book and in the middle of all this anguish and pain come these words. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the, the wormwood and the gall, these words that evoke uh, anguish and referring to poison. And my, my soul continually remembers it and, my, and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. May God bless the reading of his word. Lamentations, the saddest book in the Bible, I think uh, is, a, is a real gift to us. And this, this, this book is a gift to us in the middle of our own sad times. It's a gift because I think it helps us deal with our own pain. Now, Lamentations doesn't offer any easy answers to the problem of our suffering. But It does help us meet God in the middle of our suffering. And the great gift of lamentations is that it teaches us that lament is a prayer in our pain that leads to trust and praise and a deepened confidence in God. And through the prayer of lament, we are drawn into a deeper experience of of God's presence. As as one pastor suggests, the the language of lament is often the missing, missing ingredient of our lives. And that lament enters the complicated space of deep disappointments and lingering hurt. And it boldly reaffirms the trustworthiness of God. It's a helpful and life-giving language that transforms our pains into platforms of praise instead of pits of despair. And so this is the great gift of, of lamentations. We might also say one of the great gifts of, of the Psalms. That, that it gives us a voice in our pain. It gives us a, a way to pray. I, I'm sure you've had this experience that oftentimes when you're in the middle of painful circumstances, you, there, there's, there's a sense in which you lose your own voice. You, you almost don't know what to say. You you struggle with what to pray. There, I'm sure you've experienced situations like that. Maybe you're in a situation like that right now, and you, you, you have these times when you're alone, and... and there's something so profoundly impacting you that you hardly know how to pray about that. Well, this is the gift of of lamentations. This is the gift of of the psalms, and that they they're able to speak for us because in these laments, there there's every conceivable emotion that you've ever experienced are in these in these psalm like prayers, and so they give us a voice that they, they they help us and help us how to pray. They speak for us, and most importantly, they always focus on the faithfulness of God. They they point us to the faithfulness of God. The the central theme of this book is hope within despair. And this hope is not grounded in your circumstances. It's not in your wisdom. It's not in any relationship. The hope that you need is found only in In seeing God, our God who has revealed himself in this particular way by saying that the steadfast love of God never ceases and his mercies never come to an end. They're they're new every morning. So Lamentations presents these two realities that are joined together. Life is hard and God is good. Life is hard and, and God is good. Life is hard and God is merciful. Life is hard and God is a God of comfort. Life is is hard and God's love never ceases. Life is is hard and God's faithfulness endures throughout all generations. There is comfort today in the reality of the fresh mercies of God. And, And I pray for you to have eyes To see the mercies of God in your life. How his loving kindness is at work in your life in in, in a variety of ways. Even in the midst of devastating circumstances and loss. And so Lamentations reminds us that there there are fresh mercies. Not only for each day but fresh mercies for each new moment. In, in fact, we might say there are fresh mercies tailor-made for your specific day, your specific problem, your specific circumstances. I mean, that, 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 that's something to hold on to this year. That, that the mercies of God are tailor-made for your particular situation. The mercies of God in your life are, are keeping things together when you don't know how you're keeping it together. That the mercies of God are, are there in your life when you face things bigger than your wisdom. Mercy for when you think your strength is not sufficient to endure. Mercy for every time you mess up. Mercy when the trouble you find yourself in is entirely your own doing. (laughs) The mercies of God. And so the people of God in Lamentations were were in a tough spot. Verse 18 describes how they felt, and it's a place many of us have found ourselves in. So I say, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Have you ever felt like that? Be, because painful seasons, prolonged seasons of difficulty have a tendency to wear us down. And we reach a point where we feel like we can't go on. And so the, the writer says, my endurance has perished. I'm, I, I'm losing hope here. I'm, I'm about to, to, to give up. And we can feel like this during prolonged seasons of, of difficulty. We, we look to God for help. We look to God for change. And when it does not come... In the way that we expect or when we expect, we have a tendency to, to give up and lose our hope. Because waiting can be tough. I haven't met too many people that enjoy waiting. It can be discouraging. And it reminds us that we're not in control. Every, every time I'm, I'm waiting for something, I'm reminded, yeah, I'm not in control here, am I? Waiting has a, has a way of doing that in, a, in our lives. And so, and so, what do we do while we wait in these seasons? I would suggest that, again, we have this gift from, from, the, from, from Lamentations, and we do what the author of Lamentations did. His words, I think, are instructive to us. Look at verse number 21. He says, But this I call to mind, but this I remember. And by by calling this to mind, the author says... I, I have hope. And so what does the author bring to mind? He brings to his mind the character of God, the expressed character of God in verses 22 and 23, which, we, which we've read. His never-ending mercy and his enduring faithfulness. And so the author seems to fix his mind on the character of God. He has become a student of God's character. And so as he waits... He remembers and he meditates upon the revealed character of God. He turns to God. And our text encourages us that at the heart of Christian lament is a turning to God. Again, the beauty of a book like Lamentations is that it gives us a voice. It gives us a language. It, it, it gives us a way to express ourselves before God. Look at verse 24. The author says, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. And so there's this sense of of, of the author kind of... Uh, Preaching to himself, if you will. The, my, my soul says, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will have hope. He, it, it would seem that the author has made a way, uh, made a habit of, of talking to himself. And so he says to himself over and over, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion. The, the, the Lord is my portion, and so I have hope. Um. One advantage of talking to yourself is that you know at least somebody's listening, right? <laughs> um, just back up for a few moments and go back to verse 14. Look at, re- read these verses, 14 to 23. These are, I mean, they're, they're tough verses to read. I've become the laughingstock of all peoples object of their taunts all day long he has filled me with bitterness he has sated me with with wormwood a word means poison he has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes my soul is bereft of peace I've, I've forgotten what happiness is and so I say, my endurance has perished. And so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul, my soul is just remembers it and is bowed down within me. <laughs> you see, we're 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 always we're always talking to ourselves. And we're always giving ourselves messages. And what, what, what message are you giving yourself? Are, are the messages you're giving yourself rooted in God's word? Rooted in God's truth? In God's love? If we are to follow the instructive example of the author of Lamentations, when our mind and heart is filled with painful memories of our past and haunted by the fear of our present circumstances... And fill with worry about the future, we must we must trust the Lord and remember and meditate and, and say to ourselves, as as the author here says, you know, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, and his mercies never come to an end. And and they're new every morning. And remember the great gift of of, of the, the great gift of the faithfulness of our God. And so the author has resolved to to wait upon God, to meditate upon God's character, to to remind himself of God's promises. And and the author says, because of this, I I, I have hope. My, My hope is being renewed, the author says, as I continually remind myself of the faithfulness of God. To remind ourselves about who we are in Christ. And look, I mean, I'm not talking about just the power of positive thinking. That's, that's not what, that's not what that, this is. This is instead the power of believing and trusting the promises of God. Uh, author and pastor David Platt writes and says, He has set his mind on the love of God which never ceases. He has set his mind on the mercies of God, which are new to us every morning. And he has set his mind on the great faithfulness of God, and now he has hope. Hope is stirring. And and there's no better strategy for you and I. There's no better way to deal with our pain. When you feel far off from God, the the answer is not really in in personal resolutions. The the answer is God. God. It's meditating upon the character and the love and the grace of our great God. And it is when we are in awe of the glory and the grandeur of God that we are able to look at the darkest realities of life and somehow not be afraid. That's that's the power of God's word. That's the power of, of meditating upon the character of God. Um, there, there are a couple of verses in um, the book of Isaiah that has stood out to me as, as I was reading it, and there's a verse in, in chapter 55. You know that great that great invitation chapter that begins, you know, come, everyone who, who thirsts, come to the waters. And th- there's a verse there, verse 3, that says, you know, incline your ear and come to me and hear that your soul may live. And I was, as I was reading that one morning, I was reminded that there really is life and there's hope in, in hearing God's word. Later on in that chapter, we read how the Lord... The Lord's word accomplishes the Lord's purposes. And then I was reminded of of, uh, verse 4 in Isaiah 50, which says that we are sustained by God's word. And that verse says, morning by morning, he awakens my ear to hear. I mean, what what a precious experience that is. that each, each new day God kind of awakens our ear to, to hear afresh his word, to open our eyes, to see in a new way his, his character and his, the beauty of who he is. And the reason we can wake up tomorrow with courage, the reason we can face 2020 with hope is the knowledge that God's mercies, they won't run out they will not run out. It's the knowledge of God's character and his promises as revealed in his word and applied to our hearts and minds by his spirit. We can get up tomorrow with confidence and hope because we can stare life's biggest tests right in the face and we can say with spirit-inspired confidence, that the steadfast love of the Lord won't cease, and his mercies are new every morning. These are these are words of life and hope. Again, because renewed confidence in God's trustworthiness is the destination of all laments. And, you know, here's how I, I sometimes I see this working out in our lives and how I've seen this work out in my own, in my own heart and life. You know, God's grace and mercy are at work in your life, even, and even when the circumstances of your life are not working out, that God has a way of taking the initiative, sometimes morning by morning, to remind you of his character, to remind you of his promises. I've had this happen in my own life of God taking the initiative to awaken my ear, to awaken my ear to hear in a fresh way the stunning realities of Lamentations chapter three. Are are, are you listening? Are you in tune with the words of his steadfast love, his enduring mercy, his, his great faithfulness? You know, we often go through seasons when, when our ears are, are not in tune. But Lamentations gives us that, that needed voice that helps us be in a position to hear from God. Yeah, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. Down in verses 25 and 26. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the Lord. I like how Paul Tripp says that waiting isn't an interruption of God's plan. It is his plan. Waiting is one of the tools God uses for developing people, for building character and dependency with God. And I want you to understand that the Lord who has called you to wait, he's with you in your wait he, he hasn't gone off to do something else. He's near, and he provides all that you need to be able to wait with patience and in hope. And one of the gracious and merciful things that God does while you wait is morning by morning. Day by day, he awakens your ear to hear his word, to hear in fresh ways that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and his mercies never come to an end. Friends, may all of us, as Jesse and the team returned this morning, may all of us, despite our unique circumstances, find comfort in the fresh mercies of God that never run out, that we cannot exhaust the mercies of God. You know, in, in my own life, in, in seasons of waiting, there, I, I can look back and, and think of mornings of, you know, arising, and for all of a sudden there's a, maybe a scripture verse that all of a sudden just comes to my mind. I, I think that's God's mercy in my life. Just just bringing that to, to, to my remembrance. And then I, then I have the habit of just meditating upon that for the rest of the day. Maybe you're in the middle of waiting and all of a sudden there's a, maybe a, a hymn from your childhood or some, some worship song. All of a sudden you're just reminded of, I think that's, that's God's mercy in your life a means of, of helping you see again or reflect upon the mercy of God. And so reflect on those lyrics. Play those lyrics. It, it's, God, it's God's mercy in your life. You know, maybe, maybe you're in the habit of using a, a Bible reading plan. You know what? There are times when you follow a reading plan and you, you've got three chapters to read on a specific day, but for whatever reason you get to verse 4 and all of a sudden you're just arrested. That verse stops, pops out at you. God's mercy in your life, drawing that particular verse into your life for that particular moment in time, don't be in a rush. You can catch up on your reading plan later. Meditate upon that. God's mercy is at work in our lives in, in a variety of ways, and he uses different things. His words, songs, hymns, he uses all of these things. Maybe the phone call of, of a fellow believer, he uses all of these things. That's his mercy. And, and what, what are all these things t- trying to do in our lives? They are pointing us to the faithfulness of God because that's what Christian lament does. Christian lament gives us a voice, something to pray, in as we wait But it's always pointing us to the character of God's faithfulness. It's always pointing us to God who said, I am a faithful God. My mercies will not run out. You you might think that things are unraveling, but my mercies are keeping things together in a way that you can't see right now. That's God's mercy at at work in in all of our lives. And so let let me just remind you of three things as I close three quick things. You're not alone in your wait. You're not alone. God is with you, but you're also part of a a big company of people. Right? Back from Abraham up until now. you're, you're, You're part of a wide company of people who have learned how to wait upon God. This vast company of people. So you're not alone. Your weight is part of God's plan, and God is near. Second thing I want you to be aware of as we face this new year is that any circumstance in life can provide an opportunity to know God better. Any circumstance in life can be a means of you drawing closer to God. And in the midst of whatever circumstance you're going through, no matter how difficult and painful it may be, And I know that there are some tough situations represented in our church family right now. But whatever that circumstance is, God can use that to bring you closer to him. The third thing I want you to know is that God is committed to his work of grace in your life. He is absolutely committed to the work of grace that he began in your life. We're in this series of Philippians that we'll get back to. And we, we talked about that verse in Philippians 1.6. That he that began a good work, he will see that through. God is committed to this work of grace in your life. And he will see it through. And along this journey, one of the gifts that he gives to us in the midst of our heartache and pain is the gift of lament. And it's okay. It's okay to express those feelings. I mean, read, read the Psalms. Read the book of Lamentations. There's these these expressions of deep anguish and sorrow. But if you keep reading, you'll note that there's a common theme. They're always pointing us back to the faithfulness and mercy of God. Because to lament is a prayer in our pain that leads to trust. Nathan, can you put up... uh, Verses, verse 22. Go back to verse 22 and 23. I'd like for us to read, read those verses together. Lamentations uh, chapter 3, verses 22 and, uh, and 23. Uh, we'll pick it up. At the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. You see that there? All right, so let's read it all together. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Amen. Let's pray together. And again, if those of you would like prayer, please come and see us at the front. And so, Jesus, thank you for today. It's been, a, uh, it's been a good morning together. As we have, through song and through the reading of your scriptures, through the preaching of your word, we have been brought um, to see you in a fresh way. And it's our prayer now that, Holy Spirit, you will take all that we've sung and we've spoken, and you'll take all of that and just cause these things to become such meaningful and alive truths in our hearts. I pray for those right now who are in seasons of waiting and distress and maybe anguish. And I pray that today, as a work of your spirit, you will cause these words to cause hope to be born, hope to be renewed, comfort to be renewed in each of our hearts and lives. Thank you for your goodness. We face this year confident in who you are, confident in your tender mercies, your loving kindness, and your great faithfulness. Because of this, Lord, we have hope. In Jesus' name, amen.